Good morning. Welcome to Grace Point Virtual Church. Uh, I do want to thank everybody for checking in last week. You know, last week was a little bit wild. We're not sure what happened, but apparently we uploaded the wrong video. Um, it's it's a total it's a total mystery how that happened, and we're not sure. We apologize for it. We uh, got the correct video up as as fast as we could, but it does take some time to upload, and so we do apologize for last week. And you know, there there was a little bit of a blessing in that. Uh, by posting a Thanksgiving video, which is super random. I don't know how that happened. Um, it got a quick reaction out of people that Melanie started getting texts in church here and, and so trying to figure out what had happened was, uh, was a little bit entertaining. And so, uh, uh, entertaining and a little bit of a panic on our end. And so, uh, we are thankful that you're watching. We are thankful that you're uh, staying connected with us, and we we really do appreciate it. Um, we're we are doing this for those from Grace Point Church who are um, not meeting due to COVID, um, and so we it, it's really just helpful for us to hear from you and to know you're out there, so that we can stay connected with you all and to stay as as close as we can uh, during this time. If you have your Bibles open. Uh, or with you, please turn to Second Thessalonians chapter two. Uh, we're going to cover the whole chapter. I, I had initially thought that I was going to break up this chapter into two sections, but I realized that the, the 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 middle section is really descriptive, not necessarily prescriptive. And I'll get into that as we go through this passage. And so I, I decided to basically cover the last few verses because there is application found there uh, in relationship to these the middle section. And so with that, let's pray, and then we'll read our passage for today. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you, God, for all that you're doing in our midst. Lord, we do pray um, for our nation, Lord, especially this week uh, as we uh, transition uh, from one leader to the next leader. We do f- pray, God, that you would uh, just, uh, this this last year and, and all that's been happening, there's just so many tensions and our nation is so divided. We pray, Father, for our nation. We pray for our leaders. Um, we pray, Father, for your church in, that finds itself in this nation, that you would help us to be a light for you, that we would keep our eyes on you, that we would be... Uh, a reflection of your light and goodness. And Father, may we be used by you uh, to share the love of Christ with the world around us because ultimately, Lord, that it's only through Jesus that hearts and minds are changed and transformed. And so, Lord, we look to you to do the work in our midst. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now we request, <clears throat> we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be, or to be, or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you. For it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, 
who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you about these things? And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he was taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one who, whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this that he called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or of word of mouth or by letter from us. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, Comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Father, we do thank you for your word here. We ask that you would help us to keep our eyes on Jesus, that we would be comforted and encouraged by him. Lord, help us to understand what is said here in this passage. Help us to see how it relates uh, to our world today. Uh, May we look to you uh, for guidance and leading in all that we do today. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right, so we, we started the letters of Thessalonians back in, in July. A lot of what led me to this, to this letter or these letters um, was in large part due to the, the feeling of like frustration, fear, and the uncertainty of our times. And so I wanted a, a book of the Bible that would bring some relief. And in Thessalonians, for sure, I have found relief and encouragement this summer. It was really what I needed uh, to keep my eyes on Christ and and to, to sort of keep my soul and heart just grounded and hopeful in the midst of a real trying season in, in our lives. And Another reason that I was sort of drawn to this book is that basically since the pretty much the start of COVID, back in, going back in March, almost a, like coming up on a year ago, um, I, there's just been a lot of chatter amongst people that I know and Christians sort of making allusions to like, oh, this is, you know, we're, we're in the end times and uh, the day of the Lord is near, and 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 this sort of um, conversation. 
Now, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not negative against thinking that the day of the Lord is near. Um, certainly, I know I'm one day closer today than I was yesterday. Um, I, I always want to be ready to face the Lord. Uh, I could, if I die today or he returns today, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, in, in the grand scheme of things, I do know that at any moment I could stand before my maker. And so, so that tends to, to guide my thinking. But some people are really into the sort of the, the end times and studying this, these things. And so I, I knew that in Thessalonians, the whole day of the Lord was, was a, a huge part of, of these letters. And so I thought maybe there would be some wisdom uh, in these books for us. And, and so, so today we come across this section that the middle section is, is talking, there's, there's, there's description on the day of the Lord, and there's application. And so I do pray that, um, that today's section would uh, encourage us in the midst of what we're going through in our time and the, the age that we live in. Um, some of you may be happy with what you hear. Some of you may be a little like let down in how I handle it. Um, but my prayer is to, to go through this passage and to, and to look at what, what, what the Apostle says in Scripture uh, concerning these things, that, that uh, as they were dealing with affliction and longing for the advent of Christ, we have been going through affliction. Like, the, like affliction exists in this world. And as we experience affliction, uh, there's, all, there's a longing for advent. There's a longing for Christ's return. And so let's just sort of jump right in here. Verse 1. Uh, let me get a sip of coffee here. In verse 1, we read, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, regarding the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. And so Paul starts with, with, with really two things. First, Jesus' return, or you could call this his advent, his second advent. The first advent is when he came, uh, you know, Christmas that we celebrate in his life on earth. We're looking forward to his second return. And so he says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, regarding the coming of our Lord, number one. And then the second thing is there's the, there's the gathering together to him. So there's the gathering of, of the church, um, those who have given their life to Christ as their Savior, that when he returns will be gathered to him. I sort of have this, this picture of a, you know, like a, a, a chicken gathering her chicks or a bird, you know, kind of gathering her, her, her little you know, babies to herself. And so there's this, this, this gathering um, to Christ. And so he goes, like, basically right into the situation that, that spawned this, this writing of Second Thessalonians, this, uh, this false teaching that had been sort of making its way into the church and was confusing the individuals. And, and Paul truly felt that he needed to, to insert himself quickly and make a correction so that they wouldn't be led astray. He goes on to verse 2, and he says that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by, the, by a spirit or message or a letter as if from us. So there he's kind of confronting the guys that these letters had been sent. Um, they were sent 
stating that they were either of Paul's authority or by Paul himself. At, at, the, at the end of 2 Thessalonians, over in chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says, I write this greeting with my own hand. So, so he, instead of using a scribe for this one, he actually is appending it himself so that they can have sort of authentication. And, and so he says, okay, there's letters that are coming to you all. And they're coming to you stating that they're of my authority. And he's saying, that's not the truth. You need to disregard these letters. He says that you, na- that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or message or letter from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. And so these letters had come and they said, you're going through great persecution and you're going through great trials and it's really, really bad. This means that the day of the Lord is upon us. And so Paul is saying, don't lose your composure. Don't lose your mind. He essentially tells them to calm down. He's going to tell them to keep their eyes on Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 3, no one is to deceive you in any way. So don't be so easily deceived. Don't Don't be so easily sort of steered off of course, and we as Christians, when I look at us, and some of you, this may be a hard message to hear depending on where, you, um, where your minds have been going, but we as followers of Christ need to be grounded to him. We need to be grounded to the word of God and its plain reading, um, we need to be cautious about those that suddenly have a, you know, a word from the Lord and they, they come up with some teaching that's sort of based on present-day news. Um, the sad reality of our times, you know, I'm, I'm in a, a number of forums with pastors across the, the nation really around around the world, but 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 American pastors for the most part around the world, and you know there's a there's an article circulating right now. That's the headline of the article says Charismatics are at war with each other over failed prophecies of Trump victory, and so within the charismatic movement, which I'm not a part of, that they're there were a number of individuals that said, oh, God spoke to them, and according to prophecy in the Bible, that Trump was going to win the U.S. election because it was foretold of from who knows when and how long ago. And whatever, like, however we got to where we got, this time next week, Trump is not going to be the president of the United States, like it or not. Um, that's just the reality. But there were many people who had these, like, like they spoke on behalf of God, saying that from Scripture that they read, that these prophecies have been given about Trump. This is really dangerous territory, and unfortunately, so many believers have sort of gotten caught up in this and 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 believe it to be true and this was go this was go like this is nothing new that back during paul's era they there there were a bunch of guys saying a bunch of stuff and and these believers in Thessalonica were just kind of chasing after it 
And so for those of us at Grace Point Church or whoever hearing this, if you're a follower of Christ, you need to be more grounded and more cautious in, in the things that you hear. There, there are so many wacky beliefs out there. There are so many wacky teachers. This is me being kind and gentle. There, there are teachers that do not at, like accurately or adequately teach the scriptures with integrity. Um, there are books in Christian bookstores, on Christian websites, on Christian TV and radio. You just really have to be careful. Don't be so easily deceived. He says, none is to deceive you in any way. You're supposed to be guarded. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't long for our nation to, to, to return to some sort of um, biblical values. And, and we might be painting more of a glorious picture, picture about our nation and the biblical values if you, you go back. Um, but, but we... We don't. We need to be really cautious not to confuse American politics with biblical prophecy. If we do this, it's going to lead us into bad places, and it's not going to be true or um, honoring to the text of Scripture. And, and so, the first few verses of chapter two, he 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 gets to the, the the subject at hand, and he sort of frames what he's talking about. He's talking about the day of the Lord, the advent of Christ, are being gathered to him, and that many within this local body had been sort of uh, led astray. And so Paul is going to refresh their minds on the day of the Lord. And so, verses three, like the second half of verse three through verse 12, he's going to speak and teach about the day of the Lord. One commentator, Thomas Constable, defines the day of the Lord in this way. The day of the Lord is a period of history mentioned repeatedly in the Old Testament during which God will bring judgment and blessing on the people of the earth in a more direct, dramatic, and drastic way than ever before. From other New Testament revelation concerning this period of time, it is believed that this will begin after the rapture of the church and will include the tribulation and the millennium. Uh, th- these, are, these are big subject matters that we're not going to get into today. Um, I teach from a, a dispensational position, um, so I believe that the next thing on the, the sort of the eschatological ch- uh, flow of things, I believe that the Lord will take his church out. I think we saw that in... First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, it's a very open-handed belief system. I believe it. Um, I hold to it. I, my, I have brothers and sisters in Christ who think differently, and that's, that's totally fine. Um, but following the rapture, I believe that this, the 70th week of Daniel will happen, which is the great tribulational period, followed by the advent of Christ where he will return and establish his th- thousand-year reign on Christ. If you want to study this, Uh, more, you can do that. You can go back to our previous studies. I've preached through Revelation, and you can, you can listen to the messages on Revelation on our website. You can also listen to the Daniel that we went through, which, which Daniel and Revelation tie together. Uh, Daniel chapters seven through 12 
really focus on what Paul is writing about here. Um, and in, in Daniel specifically, if you wanted to just l- listen to one message that I preached dealing with this, I would go to Daniel chapter 9, verses 27, or 24 through 27. And so in that section, uh, Daniel addresses this. Um, okay. As we get into these verses, the the following nine verses from the second part of verse 3 all the way down to verse 12, these verses are descriptive. They are not prescriptive, meaning there is nothing for us to do. These are informational verses that explain what will happen they are not contingent on any one of us or the church doing any specific thing. These are prophetic events that God has outlined and said that will happen uh, one day. Um, when we get to verses 13 through 17, there's some of the so what, how do we uh, respond in light of the things that we're going to read about? My 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 prayer is that I can move through sort of quickly, um, just to give the overview. So verse 3, let no one deceive you. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. Okay, so we're talking about the day of the Lord. First thing it starts out with, for it will not come unless. Okay, so uh, the return of the Lord is not going to happen unless something actually happens. And so he's kind of telling them, like, listen, you haven't missed the boat. We're not in the midst of all of this already. Um, there's sort of, there are things that are holding back these events from unfolding. He says, it will not come about unless the apostasy comes first. So this is not just apostasy of, of the, you know, the church falling away from following after Christ. Um, there is a definite article there. It's the apostasy. This, this is not just an individual falling away or a group of people. This is, like, this is something that the Bible speaks of, like an event, a specific event that's going to happen globally. Um, this has, again, this has nothing to do with the events that are unfolding in the United States or Europe for that matter. Um, it's, it's sort of global. F.F. Bruce, a commentator, says this, since the reference here is to a worldwide rebellion against divine authority at the end of the age, the ideas of political revolt and re- religious apostasy are combined. Charles Swindoll goes on to explain it in this way, what Paul is saying in these couple of verses. He, in essence, Paul's saying, look around you. People are still coming to Christ. They're still turning to God. Our own apostolic ministry attests to that. There's still order rather than chaos. The apostasy hasn't happened yet. Therefore, what you're experiencing can't be the day of the Lord. So Paul's telling them, like, God is still at work. God is moving, and people are responding to the gospel, and great things are happening. The great day of apostasy, there will be a total screech, and for the, the, the naysayers that want to sort of complain present day about like our nation and around the world, like, oh man, like our nation's just not fallen after God. But I tell you that God is so working in the midst of his churches. 
COVID has been a huge blessing within the church. There are people who are coming to Christ and responding and worshiping and gathering. And it's beautiful to see what God is doing, not just in our church, but in churches around our county, in churches around the nation, in churches around the world. God is moving today. We are not in the midst of the great apostasy. I just don't see it. He goes on to describe the apostasy that happening. So he says, The man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. And so we're introduced to an individual. The man of lawlessness or the son of destruction. This is who the Bible also points out as the, uh, the, the Antichrist. I'm not going to sit here and identify any human that's alive today. They may be alive, I don't know. Um, but I'm not going to try to identify who the Antichrist is today. I, I, I don't have a clue who it is. I do think that there needs to be caution. I just, uh, my quick search online about, um, like, historically, who are people that have been, uh, you know, identified by the Christian world as, as being the Antichrist. The list, the list is long. Um, you'll find just about every U.S. president has been labeled this way. Um, some of the top contenders, President Reagan was a huge contender. Um, President Obama was another big contender. Uh, President Trump obviously is a, is a really big contender by by a, a lot of people. Um, m- many popes, the present pope in particular, has a whole lot of hits that he's the Antichrist. Uh, Caesar, a bunch of the Caesars made it. Um, Hitler, Kissinger, Napoleon, and the list like goes on and on for individuals that the world says, oh, this is the Antichrist. So I'm not going to sit here and label who the Antichrist is. He goes on to explain some things that will help us see what the Antichrist or this individual will do. Um, He brings up the temple of God. Um, He he will take his seat in the temple of God. So now this, this presents a little bit of a problem. So if this, what this says is, we have, it's a, there's a dilemma. We have two options. The first option is this event already happened back in AD, prior to AD 70, because in AD 70, the temple was destroyed. Rome came through, destroyed the temple. Um, or it indicates that the temple will be rebuilt. Um, that that's sort of the position that I hold to that this is a future event where the temple will be re- will will be rebuilt restored the Jews will go on with their practicing of uh, their sacrifices and their whole religion regarding the temple it's interesting that if you go to Israel today or you know pre covid that there is a there is an organization there's a group that is making plans to rebuild the third temple and so there's the, the, the picture here is that the temple will be alive and functioning again. And this individual is going to come and take his seat in the temple of God, and he's going to display himself as being God. 
So this is a total desecration of the temple, that this individual is going to walk into the, the, the third temple. He's going to take his seat where God is supposed to sit, and he's going to identify himself as God himself. And so this is a, a blatant and overt, um, just total desecration and blasphemy. He goes on to say in verse 5, verses 5 through 7 are sort of a, these are like a parenthetical thought that Paul is sort of, um, as he's teaching about the day of the Lord and these things that are going to unfold, he's, he kind of says, uh, do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? He's like, we talked about this when I, when I was with you, which is so kind of strange to me because this subject matter that we're talking about, this is something that uh, in my Christian thinking, this would not be Christianity 101. This would, this would be like advanced material. This is stuff that in Bible college and seminary that you don't necess- you're not necessarily covering in your first year or two, that it comes much later. But Paul was only with them for three weeks, and they're brand new Christians, and they're all this. And so clearly this was something that Paul was talking about early, which just sort of has my mind... Uh, I've always kind of wondered about that. But he says, we talked about this. And he says, and you know know what restrains him now so that he will be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's removed. And, And it's kind of hard to understand. And commentators sort of will be like, oh, well, Paul's talking to them. He says, don't you remember when we talked about this? And, but he never really says exactly what he said. The idea is that when he's writing this, they understood what he was talking about. And, and because there's like a, a, a piece of this sort of left out, there's like a, just a piece of the puzzle that's missing that makes the, the reading of it sort of difficult. Um, I do like the message translation as in its reading of this. It sort of clarifies the text to sort of put that puzzle piece in there. Um, and this is how the message explains these verses. Yeah. You'll also remember that I told you the Antichrist is being held back until just the right time. That doesn't mean that the spirit of anarchy is not now at work. It, it is secretly and underground but time will come but the time will come when the antichrist will no longer be held back but will be let loose but don't worry the master jesus will be right on his heels and blow him away the master appears and poof the antichrist is out of there and and when you when, when you look at this, look at how it continues. Verse 8, that, then that lawless one, lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will eliminate with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, that one whose coming is in accordance with the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness. For those who perish, because they did not accept the love of the truth, so as to be saved. So he's he's challenging their thinking, he, and what he's he's saying is that 
presently God is restraining the evil one, that the Antichrist is being held back by the power of God. And there's nothing that can stop this, and he won't be let loose until God sort of breaks the barrier. And there's a lot of speculation about this. One, one thought is that um, the, the, the church just being alive and functioning in the world presently, that, that there's, a, there's a natural restraint um, just having those who follow Christ in the world that there's sort of like a natural sort of resistance to, to evil. I uh, kind of, since I became a Christian, and, and even more so as a pastor, like I, I'll, I'll, fi- I'll find myself in an environment where there's profanity. And I, I don't want to say like I, I don't care. It doesn't offend me. Like I, I don't, I'm not like taken aback if I hear somebody like swear in front of me. But often if I'm present, and somebody swears and they go, oh, Gunnar's here and he's a Christian. They'll say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. And it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not offended. Like, you're, you shouldn't be worried about me. You should, there's somebody greater you should be worried about. But sort of that picture, uh, sort of across the board, that there, there is sort of like the church can function as the conscience, uh, even if seared to, uh, to our society and culture. And so it does hold back and restrain evil in, in some capacity. And, and so the idea is that if the rapture happens and the church is taken gone and all of those who follow God are taken out of the earth, then just evil remains. Then the sort of that, the spread of evil will happen all, um, all, all the more. And that would be the, the beginning of this tribulational period, which Paul kind of describes here. Um, there, there is a warning. It sort of addresses the, you know, the the fairness issue of heaven and hell that that so often is is talked about. Um, look at verse ten. It says, "And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not accept the love of the truth, so as to be saved." And so the condemnation of individuals during this period, and really during all time, is not because of God, but because of their rejection of his invitation towards them. He goes on to say in verse 11, for this reason, for, for what reason? The reason, because they did not accept the love and the love of the truth so as to be saved, because they rejected God's love and his truth, because of that, for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so they will believe what is false in order that they may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. And so there's the idea of like, okay, you rejected. God's going to allow this, this influence that will delude, it will lead them astray farther from God, they rejected the truth, and therefore their, their pursuit of wickedness is going to be sort of enabled, and they're going to run sort of hog wild into the sin. And then we come to verse 13, and it says, but we should always give thanks to God for you. So now as Paul talks about this day of the Lord and the sort of the unfolding of these events, uh, 
He gets all, all of that stuff in verses 3 through 12. There's, there's zero application. Maybe the very end there about belief, that, that don't reject God's offer of salvation. But then in verses 13, he sort of transitions to them, the so what of the matter. Like, what do we make of all of this, and how do we live our lives now? Do, do, we, do we panic? Do we push up against the government? Do we do all of this stuff sort of freaking out like it's out of control? No, there's a picture of God's sovereign hand and that God is in control of all of this. He says, but we should always give thanks to God for you. Paul's like, I'm so grateful to God for this little church in Thessalonica. I'm so thankful to God for this little church in, in Valley Center of California and all of you who are, are listening and a part of this. So I should always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. So for the church not just here locally, but around the world. I give thanks to God for those who have given their lives to Christ. He, he encourages them that God has chosen them, that he is doing his work in them, that he's sanctifying them, setting them apart for his purpose, that he's, he's doing this work um, in, like of faith in the truth. It's, it's beautiful. Verse 14, he goes on to say, it was for this that he called you. It is for this he called you through the gospel that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of this is sort of actuated by the gospel, which it's super important to understand the gospel. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, that the gospel is defined as that Jesus came into the earth. He lived a perfect life. He was without sin, and then he went to the cross. He did this to make payment for your sin, for my sin. Uh, He absorbed the wrath of God. He took the punishment that was due us in full. We're told that he then, after he absorbed the wrath of God, he died, and he went to the grave, and he stayed there for three days. And then he rose on the third day to fulfill Scripture, to conquer death. And through this act, this gift is offered to you that you might be saved by God's grace. It's, it's received and actuated in your life through faith, believing there is nothing for you to do. Uh, you have been saved because of what he has done if you respond in faith. It's by his grace alone. It was for this that he called you through our gospel, that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have not responded, my prayer is that you would be able to taste this, that you would experience God's grace, that you would respond and experience this eternal life. Verse 15, he says, So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold on to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. He's saying, be grounded. Be in the Word of God. Don't, don't, like, really, so many of us, we should probably just stay off the internet. Like, if you're reading your theology from a blog or somebody that's posting on Facebook or Twitter or some, like, 
it's probably n- not reliable. Like you're you're better off as if as if you're going about collecting like data that's coming in through random emails and and websites. You should assume that they're not accurately biblically unless you can verify them. Assume that they're wrong. Go to the text and see if there's truth in there because there's so much wacky stuff out there. There's, there's so many things that are trying to lead you away from the truth of God's word. God is trying to bring you peace and comfort through his word. Spend time with God in the word of God. Verse 16, he goes, and he's going to say uh, sort of this, this verse, these couple of verses are kind of past tense and then present and future tense. So he says, may, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who, past tense, has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace. So these are the things that God has done. God has loved us. He has given us eternal comfort. This isn't a comfort for a moment. Eternal means eternal, everlasting, eternal comfort and good hope by grace. You shouldn't be discouraged by today's news. You shouldn't be discouraged by uh, who the president of the United States is. You shouldn't be discouraged by your elected officials. You shouldn't be discouraged by these things. Because there is hope in God. There is hope in his sovereignty and his leading and that his care for you is far better than anything else that this world can offer Okay, past tense. Verse 17, he shifts. So let's kind of go back to verse 16. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, then the prayer actually happens in verse 17. The, the, rest part, the second half of verse 16 are things that he has already done. These are sort of descriptive of uh, God that he's describing. So he says, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, skip to verse 17, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. So his prayer is that God would comfort and strengthen us. And that's my prayer as we go into this week, as we look to the future, as we look at our world, which seems like it's on fire, to know that God is greater than that, that God would bring us comfort, that he would strengthen us, that he would help us to stay steady in him. The whole so what of this passage. Number one, don't get so caught up and tossed to and fro by the news today. Stay grounded. Everything's okay. Everything is okay. We don't need to get all wrapped, like all are all wrapped up around the axle, kind of freaking out over like what's going on in the world. We can trust and walk with Jesus knowing that he is greater than any event that's happening in our life. We need to lean into him for comfort and strength of our hearts that we can walk with him. So my prayer is that you would know that everything's going to be okay. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Walk with him. Don't get caught up in everything that's going on. When we read about the day of the Lord, It's all in his hands. He's going to take care of business when he determines the time is right. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you. 
Lord, that you are in control, that you are greater and mightier than anything in this world. Father, we pray that you would help us to stay grounded in your word, that we would not be so moved by just random thoughts and the the media. So, so many of us, Lord, are so easily influenced and moved by secular news and secular commentary. Um, there are many false prophets sort of cloaked under the banner of sort of religious biblical teaching. And so, Father, we ask that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us discernment, that we would truly lean into you, Father, and trust you for the future. We thank you, God, that you are greater than all, mightier than all, that you love us, that you care for us. We thank you for the gospel. Father, I pray for those that are watching that maybe are not saved, that you would help them to understand what it means to be a Christian, that Jesus died for us, and that this gift is offered to us so that we might have life with you. Father, help us to be your children that walk in grace and by grace and just love the world around us. Father, use us. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. Well, I hope that you have a wonderful week. I look forward to seeing you next week. Have a, have a great day today. God bless you all.